welcome to Estradile Illusions. We are back on the island of Sodor, and we are taking a break from our normal uh, sequential order of following the VHS tapes because this is a holiday-themed Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill. We are covering the VHS tape Thomas's Snowy Surprise and Other Adventures, and we're doing that one instead of Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree or Thomas's Christmas Wonderland, mostly because this episode does not have duplicates that we've either already done or are just about to do, because we still have Percy's Ghostly Trick to do. Uh, that'll be the next one. Uh, this will take us into the Alec Baldwin era. And uh, one of these stories also covers the narrow gauge engines, uh, the snow episode. But before we get into all of that, we have a returning guest who has not been on the show since August, despite having, uh, I think, the record for uh, most number of guest appearances, uh, which is probably not surprising because she lives with me and she's my partner. And without further ado, we will introduce, we will get a, uh, a long-awaited, people have just been just, just been so anxious to hear the Terrible update. So, hello. My update this time, I've been planning all week. Um, it's really just Merry Christmas, Merry Pre-Christmas. I'm very excited for the holiday season. Everyone's putting lights up. We do not really have decor or anything. But, you know, I've started my online Christmas shopping. What do you mean we don't have decor? Talk about the kitty. We have a <laughs> Hello Kitty little toy that is dressed as a Christmas tree, and she serves as our Christmas tree. She sings and dances, and that is, she is, she brings joy, you know? She brings plenty of joy to all of us, and we are so excited to have, uh, we're so excited to be back. We, the um, Thomas Tank Engine Show, we haven't gotten to do an episode in a long time because we've been really busy with other guests that uh, I've always been tempted to just kind of throw in Thomas Tank Engine and Show with some of our other people, <laughs> to ask them, like, uh, you know, where, uh, what do you think about Thomas to uh, film directors or whatnot, but... Uh, we're back. We're very excited to be back. And uh, we start off with uh, four Alec Baldwins, and then we go to two George Collins. The, um, whoever was doing the copy for the intro, who was writing it, uh, when when Thomas, when it, when it gets to the point where it says storyteller, it only says uh, Alec Baldwin and George Carlin are both listed, but it just says storyteller, singular. Hmm. So one just has to assume that there is a mind meld of sorts, and they're... At, Operating on the same same wavelength, but I guess since this is the show's first Alec Baldwin introduction, Tara, what would you think? You 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 gave Alec Baldwin some uh, pretty high marks, didn't you? Yeah, um, he had very good inflections with his storytelling, good voices, everything, and I was surprised because I was always very hesitant about having to enter the Alec Baldwin era because growing up, I first knew him from the Thomas and the Magic Railroad. And for some reason, it scared me. So I associated him with scary and I didn't want him to be doing it. But I was pleasantly surprised. He did a great job. He had a very happy voice. He had a good range of voices for everyone. So it was very nice, you know? Well, I'm glad that you brought up Thomas and the Magic Railroad because somebody here got a DVD review copy of that new Blu-ray, 20th anniversary. So it was a DVD of a Blu-ray. Did I say DVD? Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks for that, Tara. Uh, I, yeah, 
Well, they I requested it in August trying to like time it and it didn't get here till November and we had as longtime listeners know, we had a really busy and not even long time, short time. If you listened to us last month, you know that we had a lot of episodes. So uh, Thomas got and Thomas got bumped to quote the title <laughs> of another one of our tapes. Thomas in the Magic Railroad, as my sister t- called it, Thomas Square. Growing up, uh, that got bumped. We'll do that next month, and uh, we're very excited. And uh, they actually sent me two copies for whatever reason. But uh, thanks. Enough. Enough of that. We will dive into it's only snow, which is the first uh, episode. And I mean, they want to say it's only snow, even though like there are a lot of episodes where people are really angry about the snow. Thomas hates the snow. Nobody else really is shown to li- like the snow all that much, but uh, Thomas hates it especially because he has, we remember from the Terrence and the Tractor uh, episode, which we would have covered again if we did the first Thomas VHS, Christmas VHS, but Thomas had that blue snowplow, which does make its reappearance later on in this tape, but... Uh, he has this big sort of clunky metal metal looking one. Did you it like the? It looks rusty. It does look rusty. It does not look safe. And actually, no. As it turns out, in this episode, it is not safe. And uh, so the engines are grumbling. I really uh, Tara likes Alec Baldwin's voice acting. I don't really like the way that he does Edward. I think his Edward is uh, it's okay, it's okay, but it's really not the best in on the planet Earth. Uh, and his James, you know, he James, he voices James a lot in a very sort of effeminate manner, sort of implying that James, I mean, James is probably gay, but, uh, Alec Baldwin really tries to, I mean, maybe Alec Baldwin thought that too, but, uh, we also hear about Toby's branch line in this, in this episode, which I thought was a little odd. The, um, the big, the big, I mean, this is kind of a riff on Thomas and the missing Christmas tree, uh, which, which is an earlier episode, but but takes place, uh, is is later on this tape. And actually, that's kind of nice. We have to close on the initial, inaugural Christmas episodes. But, uh, so the engines are angry. Uh, Thomas has to take a Christmas tree to a village that's having a big feast that night. And I guess, I mean, there's so much of this last-minute planning. It's always, like, right down to the wire. I mean, do you think that suspense is an important part of of the Christmas genre, Tara? No, they really should be doing all of this ahead of time. But maybe it just highlights how busy all of these trains are, that they're having to do everything last minute. Yeah, so Thomas, so Thomas, uh, the engines are making fun of Thomas about his snowplow. And I mean, Thomas, Thomas cannot take a joke. Thomas is like, you know, I don't like my snowplow. Yeah, for a very good reason. The whole fucking world knows that he doesn't like his snowplow. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty absurd. And actually, I mean, this new snowplow, they call it his old snowplow. This is a new snowplow. We haven't seen this snowplow before. And he's he's driving it around, and uh, there's a rock. A rock gets onto the line, and they don't see it, and he hits it. It breaks the snowplow. And then the driver, this is the most re- one of the most reckless things I think we've probably seen in any of these Thomas episodes. And maybe it has to do with the fact that uh, we're, we're, this episode would have been past the, uh, the Reverend Audrey's uh, time writing when uh, episodes of Thomas would have been based off of his uh, original books. Uh, the most notable example so far that we've seen of one that wasn't was uh, the great... The great iconic episode known as Henry's Forest. What a stupid episode. Uh... So then Thomas is, continues to drive. He continues to drive. 
with the snowplow hanging to the side. That's so reckless. That's so irresponsible. And naturally, of course, he hits a water tower. And it doesn't seem like anybody seems to really care all that much that he hit the water tower. Did you find that kind of odd? Wait, what was the question? The fact that he hit the water tower and they just kind of drive on. It, it, it seems like a lot of damage. And oh, yeah. Not to mention the water tower. The, I mean, it could have been really dangerous because we have to assume that the water was probably all frozen. Uh, just like certain engines uh, get transformed into igloos later on and their they're driving firemen are able to prepare and consume hot cocoa inside the igloo before it melts. I mean, that's just... We'll, we'll, we will get to that. But uh, so the villagers are all upset. They need their uh, Christmas tree. Well, Thomas has to take the Christmas tree to the uh, village. And I mean, he's really... He's struggling. And Thomas... Thomas, Thomas is a trooper. He wants to... Uh, they need their tree. And of course, I mean... It, w- it would be pretty... Obs- I think, I mean, under normal... Cir- like, if this was, like, a union... Uh, if, if, if the driver and the fireman were part of an American union and they were part of an accident where... They, I mean, they'd probably get paid leave for, like, a month after the whole water tower incident. But the villagers need their trees, so they press on. And then, of course, we return to a common theme that this show covers, that Thomas Nankin Show loves to cover, and that is the idea that uh, Thomas is in fear of Sir Top Matt being angry... That his snowplow is damaged. Isn't that kind of, is that the Christmas spirit being afraid that an accident that wasn't your fault that you might get blamed for it anyway? I mean, to be fair, is that the Christmas spirit? Kind of. Because kids are taught to be fearful of behaving naughty because Santa is watching. That's a very, very, very good point. And I hadn't thought about that. It's not healthy. This is not a healthy work environment. <laughs> No, I mean, if the Me Too era taught us one thing, it's that workplace uh, workplace abuse is, is common and, and sort of needs to, frankly, be sent packing. Uh, I mean, this episode is uh, pretty, pretty silly. I, I don't... There's just, like... It, it, it's basically a riff on an earlier episode... With common themes of, you know, it, it is tough to be an engine on this uh, branch line, with this, with, on this uh, railway with this abusive, abusive owner. But, uh, so, I mean, to his credit, Strop Hat is, is not a douchebag about uh, the, the snowplow. And he says, he says, I guess you'll have to work without one for a while, which, I mean, I think Thomas, at, at another point in his first, in the snowplow's first appearance, Thomas was intentionally rough with the snowplow so that he wouldn't have to wear it. So, I mean, this is really... The snowplow has gone full full circle. I mean, I'm sure it makes other appearances, but... Uh, what, is this? what did you think of this episode? I was very glad for Thomas to be out of the grips of his awful snowplow uh, that apparently wasn't really necessary because he went on just fine without it. Yeah, I mean, he, he gets through the snow... Without the snowplow, just fine. And there are plenty of instances in this show where a snowplow is not enough, where they still get uh, they still get screwed. And uh, I don't know. It's just it's just a- yeah. It's not consistent about when the snowplow is needed and when it will actually be like perfectly efficient. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that's just very very uh, all over the place, and frankly. <laughs> Speaking of all over the place, Jack Frost. <laughs> Poor Percy. I mean, Percy's been through a lot. And I say that we are 
in our main chronology right up to Percy's Ghostly Trick, which has Wooly Bear and, uh, I mean, I, I, I was about to say fetishists must love Percy, but, Ooh. which I just then did say, but this, I mean, he's role playing as Jack Frost here, which is, um, unintentionally. That's true. Uh, although, I mean, Percy's probably the most gullible engine on the planet Earth. Thomas just brings up Jack Frost, and that's enough for Percy to spend the whole day obsessing over it. So, they start off, and they're, um... I mean, this is kind of a contrast. So, the episode of Scarf for Percy, which we covered not that long ago, featured Percy just fantasizing about scarves because of how cold he was. And now he's kind of taking more of a, the cold doesn't bother me anyway. Bum, 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 bum. Ah, the frozen... Let it go. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I messed up that. Uh, but they're um, they have the fireboxes and they're they're not worried. And yet, we have a situation where there's a huge snowstorm coming, and James and Percy have to deliver coal to everybody so that they don't freeze. Which is kind of ironic that then Percy gets stuck on a uh, siding because. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that isn't that just absolutely... Well, I guess the snowstorm hits uh, and his crew abandons him once again, just like they did during Thomas, Percy, and the Dragon. I mean, Percy has a knack for getting stuck on sidings, which is just horrible. Another thing that I thought was really funny about this episode is... Uh, so Percy is uh, really uh, scared and worried about Jack Frost, and James also going around doing his job... He is thinking a lot about Percy. I mean, I, I also, like, it, it's just kind of an unhealthy relationship that these these engines have. Because, I mean, they they spend time with each other in the morning, and then presumably they're kind of just doing their own thing. They they whistle when they see each other, but they spend the rest of the day stewing over their grievances. Like, James <laughs> is spending the rest of the day thinking about what an idiot Percy is for being afraid of Jack Frost. It's not, uh, it, it, it's not healthy, so... Percy gets stuck, and uh, it turns out that James is actually, he's projecting, because he is also kind of uh, worried about Jack Frost, and he, I mean, so Percy is getting covered in snow, he's got a lantern to keep him warm, it's not clear how this lantern is lasting the entire night, like, do they have oil, is it an oil-powered lantern, do you think? What if it was LED? Or, like, those nice little candles that you can turn on and off. Those are nice. So this episode was released in 2002. It is, it is, it is possible it is LED. <laughs> I, I think that that's uh, unlikely. <laughs> Not battery-operated. Apparently there's some stock footage from Percy's Promise in this episode. That's kind of absurd. Uh, you kept your promise, Percy. I mean, Percy... Percy's a trooper. He's being sent out in this, and... In the cold. Well, so there's this contrast. So at the beginning of the episode, Percy, uh, the engines are shown to not be upset about the cold because they have their firebox, and yet Percy's left outside with uh, his firebox is not going all night, and it's not going to last. It lasts maybe yeah, two hours at the most. So Percy is um, covered in icicles. I mean, he's so frozen that he can barely speak, and yet... James is still out there long enough to still be doing his job, and 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 yet, like, it's a very good point. Well, he's still around, and yet Percy has to go be stuck in the siding. Like, what's up with that? Are, are Percy's driver just like the laziest fucker on the planet? I think Earth? so. Yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. And then James gets scared because he sees the icicle person. Percy's got a long icicle on his nose. It, it has to make you 
wonder. So, I mean, we've talked about whether engines can die before. Can they get hypothermia? I mean, this is brutal. Why is he out here in the cold getting icicles all over him? The poor guy. Wait till we get to Percy's Chocolate Crunch. That's one of the dumber Alec Baldwin ones. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, she. then we get Elizabeth, the, uh, the truck who comes over and is scared i mean I'd, I'd be pretty scared and he doesn't get the the icicles don't melt off his so when he gets his fire his icicles melt he doesn't turn into an igloo like scarloe <laughs> later hmm. yeah no one else turns into an igloo ever yeah it's um and then percy like the moral of the story is that jack frost isn't scary and yet at the same time i mean i don't know J- james just kind of i was James stewing about Jack Frost just so that he could be scared later? I mean, I feel like this narrative is kind of jumping all over itself to uh, create something resembling a, a, a... They're stretching to create something resembling a cohesive narrative. Uh, it's a mess. I don't know. Did you like this episode? I did. It was funny. They're awful people, but James got his comeuppance by being scared. I mean, it's just kind of like, it's like a sitcom-ish timing where an engine makes fun of another engine and the same thing happens to them like two minutes later. Which is like key Thomas. This happens a lot. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it is, uh, this is, this is really not one of the greatest, this is not one of the greatest. We thought about doing a Christmas episode last year, last Christmas, and, um, I think we'd only done a couple at that point. And I didn't want to jump all the way. I'm not even sure we were totally in the George Carlin era yet, but I didn't want to jump into the Alec Baldwin era. And and this this time, well, it was either we did like a mini episode and we just covered the new ones, or we because there's Thomas and Percy's Mountain Adventure, which has been uh, retrofitted to a Christmas episode in America, and it's also more famously been retrofitted into an, a a Thanksgiving episode in America. Although that that's the next tape that we're covering, so I, I don't want to get too far ahead because we have so mary had a little lamb maybe jesus is mary or maybe just an abstract mary but also toby our toby our toby the tram engine our lovely lovely toby has a little lamb but he doesn't really have a little lamb henrietta who doesn't have a face who barely talks is uh when when toby meets the stout gentleman when he's on his branch when he's on his old line in uh his first appearance and then he comes and thomas breaks the rules he is very uh worried he brought henrietta along with him because henrietta was going to be turned into a hen house which i think is unbelievably unbelievably messed up i mean it kind of comes full circle with this one this is a really messed up plot it's a really messed up plot well it just doesn't make sense either no, okay. So Toby is, uh, he's on his branch line. I, I, I'd have to like really dig into when Toby got a branch line because this doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, he, he, Toby has traditionally been part of Thomas's branch line, but uh, it, I don't know. Apparently he has one, and apparently he also has an older, older line too that we saw in. Oh, yeah, it was this episode. Duck does appear in this episode. Uh, it, so we have Toby just kind of going about his business, and there's a vet, who, uh, not a vet, a uh, farmer, Farmer McColl, who's standing outside. 
His sheep are about to give birth, and he has apparently nowhere, nowhere on his farm to store these sheep. Do you think that's a little reckless? Is he a good farmer? Nicole, a good farmer? I don't think so. I mean, it's snowing, and he's doing all of this now. Like, you can't really control when your animals are going to give birth. But if you know they're going to give birth in the winter, like, take better precautions. And he also apparently didn't have a phone of his own. He was relying on the trains to come by well, in order to place down. a call. Okay, okay. I took note of that. That happens That happens a lot. The phone lines go down. And I, I, if we're dealing... I mean, this is also... This, this episode was released in... 2002 in the UK, 2003 in the uh, US. I mean, this this would happen in England. What is kind of odd is the the farmer needs a vet. Toby goes to find Strop Hat, and Strop Hat is waiting with the vet. Who who went ahead to tell him? Well, they called. Oh, they called. That's why. Oh. And they were waiting with Duck, and Duck was the one who was supposed to go and take him, apparently. They could have done that ahead of time. And Duck Duck has a snowplow. It's a green snowplow. It's always funny. Donald Douglas have their black snowplow, snowplows, and Donald has a... Duck has a green snowplow. Everybody's snowplow looks like it has, like, one-tenth of the budget as Thomas's snowplow. Thomas has, like, an intricate... His blue one, and even his uh, shitty metal one that knocked over the water tower. Everybody else looks like they took, like, a piece of construction... Or a piece of plastic or something, like, kind of carved it and then taped it onto the front... But, uh, so Doc, Doc tries to, uh, go and deliver the vet, but the pro- and, and Doc is, is really probably the strongest of the tank engines, but he can't, it's too dangerous, it's too dangerous, and yet apparently, Toby knows a way, he kind of, he kind of knows his old branch line, he knows that it's possible to get there, however, he forgot about a bridge! Which and not only did, like, he forget, but apparently his driver didn't remember that either. Yeah. Well, kind of one, there was uh, one, one fun, uh, Toby's dun 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 That got kind of a remix in this. That was fun. I really enjoyed seeing Toby's, uh, Toby's new theme song while hearing it. And, uh, it, uh, so, so Duck can't go... We have this mystery branch line. They get there. The vet is just... Yeah, so it turns out the bridge wasn't actually a problem in the end. Yeah, I mean, what's the point of saying, oh, maybe this bridge is going to be a problem? I mean, Toby has had his problems with bridges. He had it with Mavis. Uh, There's a very action-packed episode with Alec Baldwin. I'm forgetting the name of it, where Toby actually, a bridge breaks also, and he's literally he's literally free-falling. He's going to go off the waterfall, and Harold and Percy manage. It's it's one of the most... Act- it's basically Thomas Tankington doing Mission Impossible. But... Uh, they get, uh, they get there, uh, the bridge almost breaks under his- I mean, where's this old line? How old is it? That, the whole timeline of this doesn't really make sense. I mean, we know the time has passed, there are engines there, here that weren't there before, and, and yet Toby, Toby is kind of one of the originals. D- did he come? Did he get his branch line then? I mean, what, what is the timeline here? So the vet comes, they get the, uh, newly born lambs, new baby, I mean, they're pretty adorable, but, uh, Apparently, I mean, this farmer needs to rely less on the railroad system. Bring me my vet. And then let me use your train to house them. And they stayed there for a few days. It had to have been more than a few days because the snow was almost completely gone. It looked like spring. The grass was green. The sky was blue. 
Yeah, I mean, this whole thing is just so irresponsible. It's it's a mess. This. Yeah, why didn't the farmer have a better farm to house his lambs? No, and 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 this 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 uh, episode also uses stock footage from Thomas Murray's Mount, Mountain Adventure. You know, they put some effort into making these like snow themed Christmas episodes, and yet, I I don't know. Do you, do you like that Toby had a little? I mean, he had more than one little lamb. He had a lot of, and actually, it's really this episode should be called Henrietta had a little lamb. Mm-hmm. I also would note. That the inside of Henrietta, it, it it doesn't look like it would be an inside of Henrietta, and that's because it's an inside of one of the, like the Gordon Express coaches. So that's kind of a mess. And uh, I don't know what's the moral of this story. It, does it have a moral? No. And I mean, like, like Duck's role in this. Duck doesn't get like a ton, a ton of plot lines. I. I it doesn't. Uh, they talk about how like Duck is fat shamed because he can't go on Toby's old line. Uh, we have had the uh, episode where uh, there was the mix and Edward and and uh, Edward got sent on the main line or and Gordon got sent on the branch line. Edward can go on branch lines. Why can't Duck go on Toby's branch line? What like, what bridge can support a tram engine and not a gr- a great Western air- <laughs> engine? I mean, I don't know. This whole thing's uh, what a disaster. Anyway, do you have anything left to say about this episode? I just, everyone here was really irresponsible in getting this done. Yeah, I mean, the... I mean, so Hera the Helicopter has flown in the snow. We'll assume that if the snowstorm is too bad for Duck to get through, that he would not have been an option. And yet at the same time, I mean... Ah. Yeah, like, the snow was pretty heavy in this one. I was thinking, like, why don't they send the helicopter out? But it, it was it was pretty heavy. I they mean, didn't even like wind. Is Terrence not an option? Yeah, I, I think Terrence could have done it. Well, we see Terrence with Mrs. Kindly. Those are the fun ones. That, uh, you know, one, one beauty of this tape is we do get to save the best for last. But before we get to the best for last, we have uh, snow. Just snow. <laughs> snow. It's called snow. <laughs> And it is, it's apparently the final episode of the fifth season, which, oh, the fourth season is when the narrow gauges come. We make our debut with the narrow gauges, two tapes, uh, well, really one tape. If we had done two more episodes of uh, normal Thomas Stank Engine show, we would have been at the narrow gauges. Uh, everybody listening here knows who the narrow gauges are, so there's no point in really diving into them just now, but, uh. What is kind of interesting is this is one of the cases where you have the main line and then the narrow gauge line are running perpen- are running parallel to each other. So Percy is once again stuck in a snowdrift. How does Percy get stuck in all these snowdrifts, Tara? Everyone keeps getting stuck. That's true. Thomas gets stuck. Uh, Donald Douglas got to stay on the island of Sodor. You know, remember when one of them was going to get sent back and Sir Tom mm-hmm. Matt was getting ready to make a Sophie's Choice? Um... Well, now we have Percy stuck in a, a, a snowdrift, and uh, Thomas has his old blue plow, plow thankfully. Um, I, I kept laughing at all the times this tape used the word plow. <laughs> I And uh, Alec Baldwin's kind of a dirty guy. I imagine reading, you know, somebody getting plowed. Uh, <laughs> maybe, he, maybe he felt that way. Uh, Rusty... What's kind of funny is, so, a lot of the narrow gauges, they get uh, different faces, they're different models, uh, later on, which is really ugly, in Series 4, they have kind of the cool models. We have Rusty's original model, and Rusty gets this big, ugly, square face later. 
Skrloey, on the other hand, has his newer face, and he has uh, he has the he has to go through the gorge, which is a uh, buffer zone. Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. As uh, Thomas is trying to clear uh, the railway with his plow, he's stuck. He can't get through. He has to wait. So, and Rusty, I mean, the coincidence, the timing, uh, and just, just the ability for them to be right next to each other is a little, little coincidental, but we got a story. We get to hear a story from Rusty. I love, I'm, I think Rusty, Rusty is our entrance point. The first tape with the narrow gauges is called Rusty to the Rescue, and Rusty talks to Harold, and I, I like Rusty. Rusty is often the victim of diesel discrimination, but, uh, right, Rusty does his best. We really, we appreciate Rusty. And he's telling about a, uh, one, one snowy day long ago. It's so long you can still see Duncan in the background who, who joins the cast after the narrow gauges are introduced. Duncan has been there last time than Rusty, but long ago, long ago, more, uh, they, they made their debut a, a season prior to when this took place, but long ago, Scarlowy was screwing around in a ravine, and I mean, the thing that really struck out with me with this one is uh, they just keep showing the same shot of Rusty passing through the the gorge. They didn't even film it a couple times. Literally the same shot. So, uh, Scarlowy's driver is among uh, the more responsible of the bunch. Not only does he not cut and run when uh, shit gets tough, but he's trying to actively prevent them getting snowed in with the cap but uh as we know as as longtime viewers would know we haven't covered it yet but uh the narrow gauges have this mine where the empty trucks or the the full trucks go down and they have a little uh sort of uh thing that that the winch the winch that uh brings the full trucks down and it care or carries the empty ones up and brings the full ones down. And that's what led to uh, Peter Sam's accident because they were mad at Sir Handel and they tried to get him back. And uh, Rusty ended up having to do a lot of cleaning up on that. But uh, this same kind of dynamic happens except uh, the uh, coupling breaks or no, the empty trucks, they kind of get derailed and that causes the winch to break. And, uh, Big, big avalanche, and Scarlowy, uh, Scarlowy, you know, it's, it's kind of sad. Scarlowy takes all this effort, more effort than most, to try and not get screwed by this. And what happens? He still gets snowed in. Also, they made no effort to leave. They heard it coming. They saw it coming. It came, like, in, it wasn't all at once, and they did not even back up. So we haven't covered it yet, but do you think that because so this was so this story took place a long time ago, do you think that their in, inaction with regard to getting the hell out of there really prompted the fast-paced action runaway from uh, one of the most famous episodes of Thomas of all time? Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> Sarah, you know which one I'm talking about? Yes. With Boulder, Boulder is Boulder is worse than Henry's. I've been. When we, when I was thinking about how long Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill would would run, because I, I don't really want personally want to do the CGI era that badly, but uh, and Alec Baldwin's really not my favorite either. But uh, Boulder, we, we will definitely do Boulder. But uh, Rusty, they get snowed under, and, and don't forget, then came the funny part. Yeah, they, they are. There's, they're snowed in, and normally, so normally. 
When there's an accident, the narrator goes out of his way to say that the driver and the fireman got him safe, or they took shelter nearby. They're not supposed to be stuck there. Scarloe's driver and fireman are dedicated as hell, and they're sticking there. And apparently, they also had hot water. They 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 were able to make hot cocoa. And, and we're supposed to believe that snow comes down. There's all this snow around Scarloe, and his his uh, firebox is warm enough to keep his driver and fireman alive inside. It's warm enough to melt some of the snow. But, and, and, so I'm from the East Coast. I, I know that, uh, it, it can be very, so black ice, like ice that's hard, hard to see when you're driving against the pavement. Uh, a really dangerous thing is if you have a big snowstorm and if it gets kind of warm and if it gets super sunny and the snow starts to melt only for the ice to, or only for the temperature to go get cold again, which takes the sort of softer snow that gets melted into water and then it gets frozen into ice. That can be very, very dangerous. And I, I imagine that the writing staff were kind of trying to hint at that idea with this. But they took it too far because it's igloo. Like, there's no... This scenario would not work if you have an engine with an active firebox. There, you, there's just... There's no way ice would form around Scarloe. Like... Igloos, igloos have very small fires. They're not an engine with a, a guy with who's shoveling coal into the thing. It's just, did you find that very plausible? No. 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 So they're just chilling. They're chilling. They're drinking their cocoa. And they're having a great time. And, I mean, if they honestly, they make kind of the other people, like when Thomas and the missing Christmas tree, when his driver and fireman go take shelter at a nearby cottage, and they kind of look like cowards. I am not terribly impressed by anybody else who doesn't stick around to, to have the cocoa. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then, apparent, apparently, the freight cars are to blame for the accident because that's supposed to be kind of the moral of the story. Ah, that whole thing just kind of seems like a, a, a disaster. Um, oh, yeah, I guess so. So Scarloe, Scarloe is... Uh, Saying, well, well, snow is snow is terrible, and uh, Gordon comes with a snow machine, and for for really no reason at all, he just decides to be a jackass and gets an avalanche, gets stuck, and that's apparently funny. I don't think it's funny. Would and you- Thomas didn't either. He was as surprised as I was. Yeah, it's um. <sighs> Thomas is like, well, if Scarloe can get through this, you can. I mean, maybe Rusty's work crew were quickly trying to, like, dig a hole to Gordon so they could get uh, hot cocoa. I mean, Gordon is a tender engine, so he doesn't have the same kind of cab that that Scarloe would have. So it would be very difficult to make an igloo out of Gordon versus versus Scarloe or or, or Thomas. I don't know. Maybe they could make Jack Frost out of him, though. That's true. We, the episode cuts off before we get to see if Gordon becomes Jack mm-hmm. Frost. Yeah. Do you have anything else to say about this episode? I, I had never seen Rusty before, um, so it was a bit surprising to see him. And I noted him as a gimpy little train. He was like a little square pug. Oh, Rusty's so cute. He is cute, but I, I still had to call him gimpy in my notes to figure out which one he was. Ugh, that's so horrible. Um, You know. 
If we have any simps listening, you can, you know, be all excited about that. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, well, that does it for Alec Baldwin. Uh, we'll return to him in, like, four or five episodes of Thomas Tank and Ninja Shell. You can tell I'm just so excited, and I love... Uh, Tara likes Alec Baldwin a lot. Do I? You comp... We started this episode, you complimenting him. Yeah, but just in general, do I like him? Oh, no, I... It's 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 very odd. Like when I was little, this was obviously kind of my first experience with Alec Baldwin, and then like you see stuff like Hunt for Red October, uh, and you re- you realize that Mr. Conductor is a serious actor, and I mean s- similar kind of thing when you learn that Ringo Starr is a Beatle, <laughs> and George Carlin was responsible for the Seven Dirty Words. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean this era. Yeah, it's funny. Alec Baldwin has been kind of one of the standard bearers for Trump comedy, playing Trump. And, I mean, his Trump is pretty bad. But uh, George Carlin is really kind of the comedian that people wish was back to talk about the modern era. Uh, And people always say, oh, George Carlin was anti-PC. George Carlin frequently told people not to make gay jokes. Don't punch down. So, anyway, if we have any insoles listening, let's set the record straight on where the Thomas the Tank Engine narrators stand. Actually, Alec Baldwin got fired from MSNBC for saying uh, a certain word uh, that rhymes with bag and starts with an F on live television. He had this stupid, uh, I think it aired on like Friday or Saturday night. Some stupid show. It lasted like two or three episodes. Nobody watched it. Nobody cared. Uh, we will cover Alec Baldwin later, but for now we are back with Thomas's Christmas party, which is, I love Thomas's Christmas party and I love Thomas and the missing Christmas tree. They're both really great for for different reasons. Now, Thomas's Christmas Party is a much, much older episode. You can tell that this is straight out of season one because they have, like, this is really just the core. This is the Steam Team before there was a Steam Team, but this is their core group. And they are uh, really happy. They say early on that it wouldn't be uh, Christmas without Mrs. Kindly, and yet the... Uh, the events that led Mrs. Kindly to be friends with them happened exactly, uh, not even quite, but just a year ago. So that's kind of odd. Uh, before we get there, so, I mean, there's really kind of an interesting dynamic with uh, Annie and Clarabelle are, uh, they keep saying, we feel so full with the people. I mean, isn't that kind of it, odd? It was, it was a bad thing to it was, say. It was like, it was weirdly kind of sexual. Yeah. Um. I, the show does not really get into them feeling full with people inside them. <laughs> I, I really didn't mean to be sexual. As I said, I, I started to realize as I was saying it that I was... Uh, well, like, the phrase itself, them saying, we feel so full, it just, it speaks for itself. I'm sorry. As someone who recently had bottom surgery, I can relate. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> So anyway, Mrs. Kindly, what I love about the flashback with Mrs. Kindly, like, like they need to go out of their way. They're, so Mrs. Kindly prevents a rock slide, but this is supposed to be last Christmas. And yet there's no snow anywhere. And there is, there are a lot of episodes of Thomas the Tank Engine where snow is on the ground. I mean, with the original Thomas's Christmas Party uh, tape, you have uh, The Flying Kipper was used, New Scarf for Percy was used, uh, Terrence Tractor was used. Those are all snow episodes. This flashback on uh, the branch line is apparently uh, no snow, 
But uh, there's a rock slide, and they're ever so... They're so grateful to Mrs. Kindly that the other engines who weren't involved with the accident want to thank her. They lament mm-hmm. that they have not gotten a chance to thank her. And yet, I mean, we see a lot of accidents on this show. And nobody is just showing this eff- effusive praise. I mean, Gordon, who wasn't involved with New Scarf for Percy, wasn't going out of his way to try and fix the error when Percy uh, ran backwards or uh, hit the uh, boxes and got everybody all jammed and stopped mad to buy everybody new clothes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Do you think they're kind of overthinking this old woman? I mean, if she's really that nice, and her name is Mrs. Kindly. K-Y-N-D-L-Y. <laughs> like, you know, stories about old people, if they do something nice. You know, you want to thank them. You want to be nice to them. Nice grandmotherly characters. Uh, Although they, they decide to throw a Christmas party, like, just for her. That, that might be a bit far. So, for real hardcore Ian Thomas Malone fans, of which, I mean, there's... I, you know, I, I was doing Thomas. I, if you are listening and you uh, remember Thomas Tuesday from my Facebook page, and you read my second novel, Courting Mrs. McCarthy, there is a character in it called Mrs. Buchanan, who the lead character befriends at the library. Her working name throughout the first draft, when I, I switched her name, was literally Mrs. Kindly as a homage to this character. Fun fact. And nobody can sue me because that wasn't her final name. And you know what? I think actually I would have been probably pretty safe to use Mrs. Kindly anyway. But uh, fun fact. Fun fact for hardcore fans of me, of which there's a good chance nobody uh, listening to this podcast has read that book. So, And you can't right now because the contract is over and it's out of print. And if you message me and ask for a copy, I will, not, I, I will say no. I will answer you. I will say no. Uh, that book, it's okay. We're, anyway. We are, uh, so, so Thomas gets back, uh, from, from delivering, from emptying Annie and Clarabelle's load, and he gets, <sighs> he gets there and he finds out everybody's all polished, except Toby's not around, and they want to throw Mrs. Kindly a thank you party from saving him from lens. So I guess they didn't throw him a, throw her a thank you party last Christmas, they only threw, oh, she was sick at the time. And for whatever reason, the 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 capitalist Sir Top Matt sends her to the seaside to get better. In England, it's common if you're sick to want to go to the seaside to get well. There's a lot of old books that basically have yeah, all of Jane Austen. Someone is going to the sea because they're not well. Yeah, that that is common. And she had thrown. I mean, when she threw that red dressing gown out her window, I mean, for for modest people, that could be like a very that could be a big deal that you are trying to warn people by showing like your your intimate yeah. garments. I mean, what if she was showing like a garter belt? <laughs> okay, you can stop. <laughs> yeah. So, um, snow's gone bad. Uh, Sir Thomas says that the snow is horrible. And yet we, I mean, that's not really reflected in the setting. And, well, I mean, it's not really clear how big the island of Sodor is. So it's, it's kind of odd that they're okay, there's no snow there. I also, I mean, something I've always kind of thought about is the idea that, um, do you think that the other engines didn't come to help? Is it because the tender engines can't go on the branch line? Or is it because they've already been polished? <laughs> I think it would just be logistically difficult to have a bunch of engines coming when they've only got the one track there. 
Yeah, I guess. They would get um, pretty, like, backed up. Well, they send the non-polished engines, uh, Thomas and Toby, and Toby's got Henrietta and a brake vent. And they go, and uh, Thomas is really aggressively... This is, like, one of the few times he doesn't whine about his snowplow. He, <laughs> he is ready to don, don we now our gay apparel, and we will go and we will plow with our gay, All right. with our gay apparel. Through the snow to see Mrs. Kindly, and uh, they get there, and they find that uh, they're not the only ones. Do you think, do you think that... Uh, Sir Matt was acting in kind of like a Nick Fury role to send Terrence there also. Because we don't... It's a surprise to the other people. Do you think... Do you think uh, Sir Matt called Avengers Assemble and sent, <laughs> sent, sent Terrence to go? What I love about that scene is that you have Terrence is in her front yard and he's pushing the snow like very clearly right at her fence. So, uh, and, and yet he does not knock over the fence. You're not really supposed to, it's, it can be dangerous to stack snow against a fence cause it'll, uh, too much of it and it, it, it could knock the fence over. We don't see that here. Uh, we do kind of get a weird, uh, I think, I think you kind of noted it as we were watching it. Uh, Terrence says that he's going to look after her house. Like, what is he going to do? <laughs> How? <laughs> you know He's not going to go inside and make a cup of tea. Cocoa. Yeah, that's Terrence's song. But also, why can't he go to the party? Everyone's planning this party. And he has to watch the cottage. Yeah, and Birdie, Birdie the bus is at the party. Everyone's at the party. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of odd. What I also find interesting in a little American Easter egg... So, Toward the beginning of the episode, uh, Mrs. Kindly wishes uh, out the window says Happy Christmas, which is the the British way of saying Merry Christmas. And yet George Carlin at the end of the episode sings, We wish you a Merry Christmas. British (laughs) people do not say Merry Christmas. They say Happy Christmas. Uh, But do they change the words in the song? I, I, you know, I did not watch the British version of this before, so I, I don't know, but Happy Christmas was said. It's probably the line editor for the narration made an error. That would be my uh, biggest guess. I don't know. That's a good question. But uh, what I also love is the suspense. I mean, so we've talked about communication a lot in the episode. Like, uh, And, and you, you at one point wished that they had had walkie-talkies. Phone lines have been down. It's been hard for me to communicate. Mm-hmm. And yet, as as everybody waits for Thomas and Toby, they all wait in the dark. How long do you think they were out there in the dark like that? These poor trains. They're just, they're trying to have a nice party and then they just stuck. It might not have been dark when they were waiting, <laughs> when they first started. Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, then they sing and it's a big, uh, and, and Mrs. Kindly goes out of her way to thank the little engines and she says, you know, I already met Thomas and Toby, but Percy, you are my friend too. Does George Carlin do a good female character? Who is better, George Carlin, Mrs. Kindly, or Alec Baldwin with Elizabeth? I think Mrs. Kindly's was very good. That's good to know. I uh, I, I like Mrs. Kindly. She's a good character. It's a fun episode. This is a fun episode. I have watched this episode every Christmas for the vast majority of my life. And actually, so fun fact, we, we talked a little bit about the Rev Audrey's uh, books. This is the first episode of the whole series that was not based off a railway series story, per the Thomas Tank Jim Wiki. 
But the Rev himself did adapt it into a book right right as it was going to air. So there was clearly some coordination. I, that's pretty fun. That's uh, I enjoyed that. And um, apparently, Easter egg uh, when when Shadabim Hat is is at the uh, station, he's standing on a uh, pile of Legos, which is uh, kind of kind of interesting. Um, yeah, that's some uh, fun stuff. But uh, I, I really like this episode. It's it's cute. Yeah, Mrs. Kindly, and you know, any any time you get uh, one that's heavy on the Thomas branch line with a triumvirate of Thomas Perth Toby, fun, fun, fun stuff. And now we get to Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree, which is also a fun episode. I, I guess like many, I mean, the VHS tapes you'd watch, uh, you'd watch Thomas's Christmas Party first. So I, Thomas Missing Christmas Tree. This is another one. Um, so. The Island of Sodor apparently doesn't have good Christmas trees. And yet, because um, they have to get it delivered to the works. So Thomas goes to get it. Everybody is really angry. There's a big suspense over uh, who's going to, uh, whether or not there's going to be carols. Thomas leaves to go get the tree. It is, uh, you know, it's kind of weird that they have to like go out of their way to say Duck will watch Annie and Clarabelle while he's gone. We see Thomas all the time doing things. Like it's not clear where they were when Thomas was pulling the mail train, right, Tara? Mm-hmm. I mean, Annie and Clarabelle are frequently gone, and we're not told about their whereabouts. It's a little odd, don't we think? I don't know. This is actually so interesting. Thomas's Christmas party and was the final episode of the first season. This is the final episode of Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree. is the final episode of the second uh, season. So I guess they like to end on a uh, Christmas note. So Thomas is... Um, there's a lot of children expected on the island, which means there's a lot, a lot of seniors who live on the island, or there's a lot of divorced people. Which one do you think? <laughs> well, wasn't there an episode um, where like the kids were coming to see grandparents or something? Or I don't remember. Yeah, I there's mean, something like that happening. But I mean, it's just funny because I mean the climate on the island of Sodor, especially in the summer, is pretty nice, and it, it, it's to get like this influx of people for the holidays. You'd almost imagine that the people, if the weather was so shitty there, that people would go elsewhere. <laughs> I don't know, but um, so the engines are pretty angry that uh, that. Thomas is late, and it turns out he's stuck. And he's stuck apparently far away, but also uh, at that uh, at that location in the branch line cutting. He's on his own branch line where he's stuck. I, I want to see, like, a map of where the... I don't... The, the works are nowhere near his branch line. I don't know how... The works are supposed to be far away, so I don't know how he was on his own branch line where he got stuck. But clearly, the only reason that he's, that he's on the, the branch line cutting is uh, because... They don't have unlimited sets to use. So he's stuck. Don Douglas get to go out, and they get to find him. And that's what they do best. They they are the only other early engines who have snowplows, which is kind of fun. Uh, and they uh, they tell them to, uh, to be quiet. And uh, we, we find out that Thomas and his Thomas's driver and fireman abandoned Thomas. They didn't phone for help. They just left. They went to a nearby... Was it a cottage also? Yeah, it was a cottage. They Maybe they were getting taking Instagram pictures of cottage core. Oh, this was way... This was made 19... 
86. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, pretty, pretty, pretty old. So, yeah, way older than me. Well, only about like five years. Uh, but, yeah, that's, uh, so they get Thomas out of the snow. Something that's literally bothered me my entire life, and the more I think about it logistically, I guess it kind of makes sense, but when Don Douglas rescued Thomas, they're all, like, when they're returning, they're all, there's a big distance between all of them, but Thomas is still has to carry his snowplow. Uh, the, Thomas still has to carry the, uh, Thomas still has to carry the Christmas tree. If I were Donald Douglas, bigger, tender engines, wouldn't it be nice, this weary engine, if they took the Christmas tree instead? Especially after Thomas has been trapped in the snow. And so, so, I would say that, like, okay, it could be difficult to switch him up, especially, like, without a, without a turntable. And yet Thomas is is facing in front of Donald Douglas, and yet in this shot, when after they've rescued him and when they're going back, Donald Douglas are clearly ahead of him. So there was one point where the twins got to go ahead of Thomas. So I think that there actually is uh, this is a big plot hole. We need to get to the bottom of this anyway. So um, they get back and. Uh, Thankfully, Terrence the Tractor is Terrence the Traction Engine. No, T- Trevor the Traction <laughs> Engine. Terrence the Tractor. Everybody's at the big station, even Diesel. Who do you think invited Diesel to the party? Why is Diesel there? Because uh, they didn't really have a ton. It's too bad the Marklin engine isn't there. Uh, I don't think he was there. That's like the prop engine from the first season uh, that was... Reused, actually, I think was used as scrap in uh, Trevor the Traction's episode. So, um, so they're all ready to carol at the big station. The great irony is they actually do sing a carol at the other in the other episode. They don't sing a carol here, but um, they get a big surprise. Santa Claus himself, which is very, very, very clearly just her top hat dressed up with a wig, uh, with a beard. Oh, you don't call a beard a fake beard a wig beard. Maybe you should. Maybe we should. Uh, they uh, get there, and they here comes Father Christmas, Santa Claus, and uh, Carol starts to go. And Thomas says, "Getting stuck in the snow was worth it to uh, to have this celebration." Which makes you think. I mean, other people get stuck in the snow, and nothing good happens. You, you know, Percy getting turned into Jack Frost, Gordon getting snowed on, Scarlow getting snowed on. Not a lot of good happened to that. And yet, this is, like, the first time that, well, Henry has been snowed upon already by now. But, uh, it's, it, it went with Donald Douglas's first introduction. Santa Claus comes. I, Harold lands way, 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 way too close to a building. I'll just point that out. It's very reckless and irresponsible. Santa, why didn't Santa take his sleigh? Do you think that's odd that he didn't take his sleigh? Don't ruin it for the children. There's no children listening to the show. <laughs> Please don't if you have children. Let them listen to the show. I actually, funny, Thomas Tuesday Easter egg, uh, w- when I did that like five years ago on my Facebook page, there was a couple, there were a couple of parents who followed my Facebook page who said that when their children would come home on Tuesdays, they'd want to like, re- they thought it was very funny that an adult would do that. So may- hopefully those people who are grown up now are still listening, but probably not. Anyway, what are your th- uh, final thoughts about this episode? Can I talk about the Winter Wonderland song? 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Talk about... Yeah, wait, I guess we'll do the song. Yeah, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. It's a great ending to this Christmas video. Just the the great children singing about their winter wonderland with their... I'm assuming it was especially written for this episode because I've never heard this song before. Maybe it's a classic British Christmas song that I've never heard. I don't know. Nice, wonderful Christmas scenes. You know, it is a wholesome Christmas episode with lots of... Uh, there's not too much savagery between the trains. A lot of people getting stuck and hurt, but, you know. Well, there is some original footage in the Winter Wonderland song, because as it was playing, I, was, I, I had to look it up, because I was like, shit. I see Trevor pulling a sleigh. I see some other stuff. Like, why aren't we covering a tape that has that episode? And there was some original footage. Uh, we haven't covered a tape that has any songs yet, but the, literally the next one on Thomas Tank and Chill has a song at the beginning. Thomas, we love you. It's kind of propaganda. I'm not a huge fan of the songs, but, uh, you know, it's, um, it's a fun tape. I traditionally, every year we always watch Thomas's Christmas party and Thomas's and the missing Christmas tree. When it came to wanting to do a holiday, Thomas the Tank Engine and Chill, this tape was the logical option because it has, uh, it, it has no episodes that we will cover at least anytime soon. I not hundred percent sure if Snow appears in other one tapes, but I think I think that was an original tape where they bundled the other ones. Because we are getting into the area era where George Carlin re-recorded some of the Ringo Starr stuff and so we'll skip it. we won't we won't cover tapes that cover that have that are that have no new episodes. Uh but uh, it's been fun. I uh I like these Christmas it's it's fun. I like to usually traditionally watch them kind of in the days leading up to christmas because it's it's fun and uh oh i just remember as a kid like turns the tractor is uh that episode is not really one of my favorites so i'd usually watch like the first couple of stories and then i turn it off flying kipper that's kind of a sad one but uh this was fun did you enjoy this tape tarot i did it's very nice and christmasy which was your favorite of the alec baldwin episodes let me go back through the list I mean, it's hard to beat Toby had a little lamb. Yeah, I mean, it's either that or Jack Frost for me. Uh, they're both pretty equally stupid. Uh, they're very fun. Yeah, and uh, of, of the George Carlins? Kindly or Tree? Oh, Mrs. Kindly. She was great. Mrs. Kindly. You think she's the MVP for this tape? Or is Henrietta? Okay, so I, I could say, like, maybe, but she didn't actually do anything in this tape. They're referencing her great work from a year ago. That's true. They're living in the past. Like, I think Thomas is the MVP of those episodes. That's a good point. Maybe Harold for not crashing into the building. I don't know. Or Diesel for getting... Uh, Diesel got an invite. Why did he deserve the invite? We don't know. These are big questions. Anyway, uh... This is not our final. We have some other holiday stuff. Uh, we have uh, holiday episodes with Candace Kane and uh, the cast of the Slutcracker. If you want more extra illusions, holiday cheer. But, uh, you know, Thomas Tank Engine and Chill, uh, we will, in the new year, we will be doing more of these. We took a break. Uh, Mandalorian coverage makes it hard to do the episodes and uh, all the other stuff. But uh, from all of us, from Tara and myself to you, we wish you a happy holidays. And we know it's tough for a lot of people who uh, may not, none of us are getting to do our holiday traditions. But uh, we hope that this, this show and uh, our Thomas cheer and all of that uh, can bring you some joy this uh, holiday season. So happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate. Uh, 
Do you want to say happy holidays, Tara? Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And uh, make sure that you don't leave your engines out at night because nobody wants... Yeah, put them in a shed. Nobody wants to get an icicle nest. But on that note, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time.